0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. So glad to see all of you here today. Thank you for coming. We're grateful especially to our guests today, those of you watching online or here in person or listening to our podcast. We're just super excited to have you come join us as we continue in the overarching theme of the story, as Kevin said, and in our series today, Tell a Good Story. You'll forgive me, I'm coming off the end of a cold, so I will to be shaking hands today. You guys are in safe proximity where you are, but it's just good to be here together with you coming to to read about some really awesome and amazing stories in the Bible and to remember that those are real people and that God uh, used them to tell awesome stories. And so if we surrender ourselves to God, then our stories can become part of a bigger story that's God's story. And so uh, that's what we're really trying to do today is look at the heart of how can our story begin to reflect God's story. So thanks for being here. Let me invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's Word today that we would hear it and allow our stories to be part of God's bigger picture story. Let's pray about that together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was in college, I joined a fraternity, and the goal of that was just to do college life together with a bunch of other guys. We had some things in common, and so there was a lot of good in that. There were some things that were not so good in that, but I did that for, for most of my time as an undergraduate, and when I first got into the fraternity, I was hanging out with some of the, the younger guys that had just joined with me, and uh, we figured out something pretty quickly that kind of you know took us by surprise. We thought that everybody in the fraternity would be one big happy family, but that wasn't really the case. It was a big group. And so within that big group were, were groups within groups. I guess you would call those cliques or whatever. And so I'm not sure why I was surprised to think that everybody would be on the same page together. Because whenever you get more than a handful of people together, we kind of form into smaller groups. And so that's what was happening in the, the larger fraternity. And so... Uh, I banded together with a certain group, and we'd see everybody and hang out and do stuff, but uh, there was there was one other group that had more the more popular kind of guys, the older guys, and they were some of the leaders in the fraternity, and it was just really hard to break in with them, and they seemed like they were too cool for us, and I felt like, wow, am I back in middle school again? I mean, what's going on with all this? And so, you know, uh, no no major deal, but uh, for us, it kind of bothered us, and so one night, my group was hanging out in a dorm room, and we were venting about those other guys, about what jerks they were, and just how, you know, they think they're so much better than everybody, and, you know, just sometimes you got to vent and get that toxicity out of your system, and so we got it out and just, you know, went about our business, so... The next week, we had a fraternity meeting, and I know what fraternities meet about, right? What are you gonna do? Is it a job? I mean, whatever. But anyway, I can't really remember. But we gathered together, and so we we're at this meeting. And after we did whatever our business was, uh, some of those guys stood up and they said, uh, "We need to. We need to have a talk because we understand that some of you guys have been talking negatively about us behind our backs, and you weren't man enough to come talk to us directly." And so. Obviously, I figured out that somebody had ratted us out from the group that I was talking to or was really good at eavesdropping. And so I began to get a little nervous and was looking around the room and, you know, checking out some of the guys that I was with, you know, what's going to happen. And so they said, yeah, we we know somebody's been, you know, talking negatively about us. You know, we're a family. We're not supposed to do this. We're a group together and need you to stand up and own up to that. So I'm getting like really nervous. You know, what are they going to do if we do this? Are they going to yell at us? Are they going to haze us? Are they going to take one of the paddles off the wall and spank us with that? Or, or worst case, are they going to throw us out of the paternity? Uh, because that would be a big deal. It's a social group, and if uh, if you broke the rules, and you know, you become ostracized on the college campus, and so for the rest of your time at college, you would know that you got kicked out and. You know, looking back on that, I'm sure I would have survived and would have been fine. But at that point in time, that was a big fear of mine. This was the group that I'd come to appreciate and want to be with. And and now I was at risk of being expelled from that. And so, you know, I didn't know what to think. But anyway, it's like, all right, guys, whoever has been talking smack, you need to stand up right now. So I looked at the other guys, and so I stood up and I looked around and nobody else stood up and I'm like, oh boy, this is not going to be fun. And not only did I get ratted out, but all my friends were chickens. And so, man, so so I just, I guess I, God came and helped me speak the truth from my heart. And I said, you know what, guys, you're absolutely right. I was saying stuff about you that I shouldn't have been saying uh, unless I said it to your face. And so I apologize for that. And, and then so I told them what I'd said and why I said it. If they're going to hold me accountable, I was going to hold them accountable. And, and so I laid it out and, and they said, well, what did you ever do to try to create a relationship with us? And, you know, I thought about it. Maybe I could have done something better. So long story short, I just I spoke the truth and uh, I was waiting for the judgment, right? What's going to happen from this? And so they took a breath or two. And then what they did was they said, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being courageous. Uh, And we forgive you, right? They're shaking my hand, hugging me and high-fiving all this stuff. And, And it started a different phase of a relationship with them where they trusted me and I could begin to trust them and get to know them. So I think in that process, we all learned lessons about how we relate to each other and we were able to move forward from that. We learn lessons about how to relate to each other, speak the truth openly with each other, forgive one another, and move forward. And this wasn't a Christian organization, but we learned something out of that experience. I wish we could say the same thing about the people of Israel. Because as we read, in, basically in the book of uh, Judges this past week, uh, there's a 330-year window where the people of Israel... Seem to learn a lesson, but then they repeat the same mistake again and again and again and we begin to wonder did they really learn anything so if you remember last week we read the story of Joshua as he led the people from Egypt who they've been wandering in the wilderness out in the desert for 40 years back into the promised land of Israel and they take over the land of Israel and we, we talked about how problematic that violence is and we still struggle with that and we see some of that in our reading this week but the people of Israel settled there they're back in the in the land that God had given them uh, and, and and that brings us to our reading this week. And so what happens is that people go in and, and, and they begin to, to do this cycle of, of activity where things are going well and, and things are good and then they begin to stray from God. And the Bible uses the word sin to, to go against God. And so what happens is they begin to worship these other false gods that some of the other people who were living there before them worshipped. And, and they got off track. They begin to mistreat one another. They, they treat each other in ways against what the religious law that Moses gave them said to do. And, and they're not educating their children, teaching them about who God is. And so they get into a lot of trouble God allows their enemies to come back in and take over parts of the territory again and and oppress them. Then they cry out to God, God, come help us. And and God sends a ruler uh, who is known as a judge. Uh, And they did have legal authority, kind of like we think of a judge, but it was much different. They were also a military leader. They were also the religious leader. So this this judge was a very important person ruling over the people of Israel. Under the judges, uh, they would repent, which means they would turn away from their wrongdoing and turn back to God and say, we're sorry, God would forgive them. He would give them victory again and they'd be at peace. And you'd think they'd learn their lesson, but as soon as the judge died then they would repeat the whole process again. So in in, in the manner of 330 years, 111 of those years they were in captivity or had been oppressed by their enemies because they'd forgotten who God was. They sinned against God. They sinned against each other. They didn't educate their children about who God was and to love God. They got into trouble. They got another judge, and the whole cycle just keeps going and going and going. And so Let's just read a section of that today. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in the Old Testament. Uh, in the book of Judges, it's a seventh book in the Old Testament. Uh, and we're going to be in chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Judge Deborah Right? In the video, they left her out. It's kind of a bummer, right? It's like This is a, a matriarch. This is a female leader of the people of Israel. That is huge back in the day. You know, About 1,500 years before Jesus is born, it's a patriarchal society. But God sends a woman to be the military, the spiritual, the legal leader of the people of Israel. And so I can't believe they left her out of the video, right? We got Samson and Gideon. But so girl power, here we go. Uh, Deborah uh, in Judges chapter 4. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So Deborah's predecessor, Ehud, has died. The people of Israel are now going against God again. So the Lord uh, sold them into the hands of uh, Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in a... Some big word I can't pronounce, so I'm going to skip over that. Uh, all right, so, so now they're oppressed, Right, So now the people of Israel are oppressed. They've gone against God. They're in trouble again. Uh, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. 20 years later, they're crying out to the Lord for help. Okay, God, we're in trouble. Can you help us out? Now Deborah, a prophet, a spokesperson, a spokesperson for God, who's going to be the new judge, the wife of uh, Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time, so again, it just gives us a glance, a glimpse of this cycle where they do the right thing, the judge dies, they sin, they get in trouble, they cry out to God, they repent, they get another judge, then they forget again. So again, 330 years, 111 years, uh, they are oppressed because they make these wrong decisions, right? And, and we meet characters, right? Right. We talk about tell a good story. There are a lot of good stories in the book of Judges, the stories of Deborah, uh, the stories of one of her female colleagues, Jail, never go camping with her. She's the one that killed the guy with the tent stake, right? Ugh. Uh, the, the stories of Samson, right? This big, strong guy who's also a big, uh, this comedian comedian type person and doing stuff, but then he totally like betrays God and gets wiped out, but he does come around at the end. And, and then Gideon, the story of Gideon, he's the least... Uh, person in the lowest tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel... And God uses him to lead the people of Israel. And and he's going up against an army of 200,000 people. He's only got 32,000 people in his army. And God has him will it down to 300 people. And and God uses trickery to help them defeat 200,000 people by getting the army that they're fighting against to fight themselves. And so just these amazing stories. And we, we see God calling, again, some of the most unlikely people, calling women in a patriarchal society to lead, to call the least of the least, Gideon, to come, but and even calling the big strong guy, right? So, God picks these amazingly, you know, different and unique people to come and to lead, and, and we see transformation in their lives. How Samson gets it right at the end, how Gideon, you know, is this least and this meek guy who helps, you know, fight off 200,000 people. And so, we see these stories, these great character arcs of stories of development, uh, and, and they're so awesome. But what I, what I what I hear God saying through the through the judges right in, in this book of Judges right, like if you want the big idea is I think that God was trying to help the judges tell the people of Israel to pull the plug on the spin cycle of sin right. So we go around and around. It's like we're in this this laundry machine where, you know, we sin, uh, we repent, we rinse, and we repeat, right? So it's like the judges are trying to help us pull the plug out of that so we can stop just going back to doing the wrong thing. If we've got God, why don't we just do the right thing and stick with God? And so, you know, it's easy to judge the people of Israel who did this for, you know, a 300-year period, and say, what are you guys thinking? Don't, don't you learn from your own history? Don't you learn from yourselves? But if you're like me and I look in the mirror, then it's not just the people of Israel, you know, 1,500 years before Jesus. It's me right now in the 21st century. How many times do, do, I, do I, as a pastor, you know, someone who's ordained by God to, 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 to do God's work in the world, right? I still do wrong things, and sometimes I have to look in the mirror and say, you know, what's going on? Haven't you read the Bible? Haven't you encountered God's grace? And, and yet I, I do something it has bad consequence and I'm, thinking, I'm just shaking my head. When am I going to step off the, the cycle, right? The spin cycle of sin. And, and so that's what I would ask you to think about today in your own life. Where are you in this cycle? When you came in today, you know, what is it in our lives? Where are we in the cycle with God, right? When, when it talks about sin and doing wrong and, and and facing the consequences and and then finding forgiveness, you know, where are we? Are we getting any better at that? Or are, we, are we just like the Israelites and we just keep like dull-headed, banging our head against the wall? Have we seen progress? Uh, and so today all, we're going to talk about consequences. And there, there are different kinds of consequences, so I want to be clear today, you know, The consequences we're going to talk about today are when we do something wrong against God or against other people, uh, sometimes bad things happen because we've made bad decisions. That's kind of what we're going to struggle with today. There are other consequences. Sometimes people do things uh, that have power in our lives and it hurts us and we haven't done anything wrong and that's not fair, but but that's life. And then sometimes things just happen to us and no one's at fault. A tree falls and smashes our car and it's not God trying to get us. It's not something we've done. It's not something that another person's done. It just happens. But today I want us to think about... Our own consequences, when we, when we make bad decisions that can hurt ourselves and hurt other people, how do we step out of this cycle? Right? This self-destructive cycle, like the people of Israel kept getting sucked into this. So where are we in the spin cycle of sin? And so we need to begin with sin, right? going against God. And so you know maybe we're in the spin cycle of sin because, one, we're choosing the wrong thing. Rather than choose God, we're choosing power or wealth or popularity or, or greed or stuff or control. You know, probably choosing, is there something in our life right now we've put above God? Which means, number two, I have mixed up priorities. Right? I think the Bible tells us that God's first, then family, friends, neighbor, right, then everything else. Right? Are we putting stuff above God? Are we putting things in our lives above our families that, that we shouldn't be? Right, right, or maybe for some of us, right. Point number three is that we have an addiction, or an addictive personality. It's kind of captured us. It's kind of trapped us, right? And and maybe it's it was something that's not healthy, like you know, alcohol or or illegal drugs or pornography, or maybe it's something that, that can be good, like work, right? Work's a good thing, but if we become obsessed with it and addicted to it, then we can pay more attention to work than we need to and neglect our families, right? So, so is there something in our lives that you know, we're just obsessed with or addicted and we need to get some help for? Uh, and then fourth, are, are we mistreating people, right? Is there somebody in my life right now that, that things are not cool, Maybe it's a family member or a friend. Maybe it's a a neighbor, somebody I work with, somebody that I go to school with. Uh, Maybe I was just rude to the waitress that I see, you know, once a week at my favorite restaurant, right? Are we mistreating people? So, you know, brothers and sisters, where are we and what sin are we carrying today? And then what are the consequences from that? What, what? the oppression, right, that we see happening to the people of Israel, I think happens to us, like, so one of the consequences or, or the oppression is that my relationship with God has been affected, right, maybe I don't feel the peace of God in my life, maybe that, you know, I'm not where I need to be with God, because there's some sin in my life that I'm putting in between me and God, and, and I've got to release that, or secondly, maybe I'm destroying relationships with other people, right, maybe because whatever it is that's, that's, My sin is getting in the way of my relationship with my spouse or my my sibling or my parents or my grandchildren or or my best friend or, or my brother. Like Man, when we sin, it doesn't just hurt us. That's the problem. It hurts God and it hurts other people. And so is there someone that we're hurting because of our bad choices right now, right here and right now? Or maybe, number three, my sin is or will affect my own physical and emotional health. I'm messing up, right? And it's killing me physically. It's a toll on my body. It's a toll on my emotions. Or fourth, my sin is or will affect me financially. I've made some bad decisions. I'm in a lot of debt. I bought stuff I shouldn't have bought or I gambled or whatever. I was unwise with my financial resources. Now that's adding stress to my emotions, which adding stress to my my physical body, which is adding stress to my relationships. And I'm just in a big mess, So what's our sin, what's our consequence, what's our oppression, and now what's our choice going to be? And and The Bible uses the word repent or repentance. It means to turn away from something and to turn to something else. To turn away from our sin, our wrongdoing, our guilt, our our shame and say, I want to leave this junk behind and God, I want to turn to you and I want life to the full. I want life with meaning. I want life with priorities, Lord. And so we have an option with repentance, right? One is either, well, you know what? Things aren't going real real well right now, but I'm not ready to come clean with God, right? Or things aren't going super well right now. I'm in this spin cycle of sin, and I am ready to come clean with God. I, I can't wait to come clean with God. This stuff is dragging me down. It's killing my relationships. It's killing me. I don't have life to the full, and I, I'm ready to leave it behind, and I'm ready for something new. Brothers and sisters, are you, are you stuck in that, that, that s- cycle of spinning and just the nauseous of, of the dizziness and just backing? How can I keep coming back to this again and again? There's good news today, and that good news is, is the name of Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going we're to jump to the New Testament, the fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospel of John. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. It's about Jesus' life and His death and His resurrection. And John writes this Gospel, and it's uh, chapter 3. It's a very famous passage of Scripture. Uh, even if you're not a Christian, you might have seen this at a sport, sporting event, somebody holding up a sign, John 3, 16. We're going to read that. We're also going to read verse 17, because 17 is a powerful verse too. And this is, this is what God writes. Through John, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And and listen to this part in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God didn't send Jesus in the world to condemn us, but to save the world through him. Now God is a judge, and we will be judged at the end of time, and we're gonna have to stand before God, but but God wants to be merciful, and that's why he sent Jesus in. He's like, I don't want to condemn people. I want to save people. Right? So when Jesus came and when he died on the cross, he took all these consequences. He, he took our sin and our guilt and our shame and our, our physical death and our separation, which, which the Bible uses the word hell, separation from God, separation from each other. Jesus took it all on himself, and he defeats it all when he comes back to life. And so now we can be forgiven. We can find joy and peace rather than guilt and shame. We can live life to the full, life with meaning now, and we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. But but heaven starts here on earth with our relationship with with Christ. And, And so that's God's free gift to us. We simply have to choose to accept it. Jesus does all the heavy lifting. We believe in it, invite him in and say, Lord, I'm ready to turn away from this junk, this sin, this guilt, this shame, this baggage. I'm ready to leave it behind. Lord, come and live in me and he will. But then the question is, why do we keep doing bad things? Why do we keep having to repent? And and will we ever get out of the spin cycle of sin Right? And that's a good question, and this is where we need to understand there's two phases of repentance. Right, The first phase of repentance is like repentance for our entire lifestyle. I'm tired of being dominated by sin. God, I want you to dominate my life. It means we invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. We, we once were lost, but now we're found. We, we, we once called sinners, now the Bible calls us saints, even though we're not perfect yet because, because God claims us. Right? We're on God's team. It's like Kimba Walker, who is the sh- superstar of our hometown Charlotte Hornets NBA basketball team. And, and, and before Kimba was a Hornet, he wasn't a Hornet. But now that he's on the team, and thank goodness they didn't trade him, uh, he, he is a Hornet. And he'll be a Hornet for life. Even if he's traded, he'll be a Hornet in our hearts. Right, He's on the team. Right, When, when we're with God, we're on God's team. We have been transformed. Now, that doesn't mean that Kemba doesn't make mistakes, right? He's going to miss some free throws. He's going to miss some three-pointers. He's going to turn the ball over. He still has to work on some of the details. But who he is, his identity, he is a Charlotte Hornet, right? So when we receive God, when we receive Jesus as Savior through that repentance, right, we we our life is changed, our identity is changed. We move from sinner to saint, right? We are redeemed by Jesus' blood. And that's a decision, right? Now we still have little tweaks to work on, like our free throws and our three-pointers, right? There's still small sin or, or even big sin that clings to our life. And so we don't need to repent for our entire life anymore. We repent for individual sins. Does that make sense? And so we have these smaller cycles. We've stepped out of the big cycle of sin. right? We're with God. We just need God to help us work on a few things. And so I guess the question is, where are you in that cycle? Have you made that lifetime decision to follow God? And if not, today is the best day to do that, right? Jesus stands ready to help you leave that baggage behind and to step into a life with God. Or if we've made that decision, then what are those individual sins that continue to cling to us, that still bring us guilt, still bring us shame, right? To to invite the Holy Spirit in, to ask God to forgive us and to give us strength, right? The Bible says God gives us power over sin because Jesus that lives in us, the Holy Spirit that lives within us, and, and that we can stand up to sin. And the longer we walk with God, the more we become like Jesus, the more we look and act like Jesus and talk and think like Jesus. And so... For a lot of us, we've come a long way. We still have a way to go, but but man, celebrate God at work in our lives. Now, there's some more good news. Remember, when I went before my fraternity and had to stand in front of everybody and air all that dirty laundry out. And you know, if I had left that meeting and gone back and started gossiping again and got busted, and, and they brought me back in, you know, a second meeting or a third meeting, how many meetings do you think it'd take before they'd kick me out of the fraternity? Probably the second one, I'd be gone, right? Man, with God, sometimes I think we're scared that that's, that's what's going to happen. Like, God, you've given me one chance. I blew it. Man, I, I, I've messed up again. I know there's no way you're going to take me. You know, you know Pastor Kyle, I just, I've done so much wrong in my life. There's no way that God's going to take me back. Here's the difference between my fraternity and God, right? God always takes us back. God always takes us back. God loves us. He never gives up on us. He sees the potential that's in us because we've been created in his image. So no matter where you are right now, whether you need to make that first big repentance leap of faith, right, for your lifestyle, or we have specific sin that just keeps coming back and back and back and we can't seem to shake it, God says, don't give up. I can help you with that. But we've got to be willing. Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. He came back to life He stands before us and says, no matter how many times you stood before me, I love you and I will forgive you. Brothers and sisters, are you tired of being in that cycle? Are you ready to say, Jesus, just pull the plug on that. Pull me out, Lord. I'm ready to leave this stuff behind. I am ready to come clean with you, Jesus, today. Wash me clean and send me out, Jesus. God finds us where we are. He accepts us, and He helps us become something more. Become something more today with Jesus Christ. Become something more today with Jesus Christ. If you've got your communion packet with you, if you'll get that out. If you don't have one, if you just raise your hand, we'll have an usher come and bring you this. But just a minute, we're going to open this up. This is a symbol of what we're talking about, right? The bread is the body of Jesus. The grape Jesus is the blood of Jesus, and. And we remember that, that Jesus loved us so much that he died for us. And so let's pray about that together. Dear God, we just thank you that you realize we're not perfect yet. And you don't give up on us. You sent your son Jesus into the world, God, to die for us and to come back to life so that we can have life to the full now on the earth. This, this life right now matters, even as we prepare for life eternal in heaven. And God, some of us, we don't know you yet. And, and we hear the stories of the Bible of transformation and And God, that that sounds wonderful. We hear hear the powerful testimony of Kathy today, God, how you met her in one place and you've taken her somewhere new. And and we want that for our life, God. We want to claim that for our own lives. And so, so God, if, if it's in our heart right now, Lord, we just come and be our Lord and Savior. We're sorry for the wrong that we've done, Lord. We want to leave that behind. Come and forgive us. Live in us, God. Help us to truly receive your forgiveness and your joy and to leave this place as new people. And some of us, God, are struggling, right? We we have you. You're our Lord and Savior. We're Christians. We're saved. We're born again. We're on the team, God. We get it, but there's, there's some things that we keep doing that we want to stop doing, Lord, but we're not quite sure how, God. Give us strength. Give us forgiveness for those individual sins that seem to cling to us and know that we have power over that. If we need to seek help to find help, show us how to do that. Give us that courage, God. But, God, we just, we're just we thankful that you never give up on us. We're thankful, God, that no matter what we've done or where we come from, that, that you love us. And that's why you died for us. That's why you came back to life. That's why, that's why you're here, God. You, you meet us where we are, and you help us to become something more, God. Meet us where we are right now, Lord, and help us to become more. Lord, just just hear now our silent confessions of the sin in our life that we're ready to let go of.